Welcome to the Final Score Network and the Final Score Podcast, presented by Team Anders Realtors. I'm Andy. He's former NCAA student athlete and co-host. Brian Gam, two-hand monster flush off the inbound. Brian Gam slam jam. Subscribe to us on Podbean, the Apple Podcast Store, Spotify, or anywhere you get your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at the Final Score Thirty Five and TikTok at AG Spartan Fan 35. Oh, and one more note before we get started. I'd like to apologize to anyone I've not offended yet. Please be patient. I'll get to you shortly. What is going on, my friends? April 17th. It's snowing outside. It's literally 50 degrees colder than it was here in Belmont, Michigan, two days ago. That's pretty insane. Uh, but it's Michigan. We expect nothing less. Uh, we're in the 120th edition of the Final Score podcast here. That's also wild. That's a lot of them. Um, but yeah, here we are. NHL playoffs started today. Um, probably watch a little bit of that later. Um, Jalen Hurts is now the richest NFL player in history with this contract that he got. We've discussed that maybe a little bit later. Um, NBA playoffs are going. Don't really care about that. Um, transfer portal window two is open in college football and there's some big names that have entered that if you keep tabs on that spring balls over next week for basically everybody um, and NFL draft is only 10 days away that's crazy um, we'll get to uh, the nitty-gritty here uh, podium I'll go first give a brief um, speaking of the NBA trash product um, I think it's gone, like when I was younger, I paid attention to it a little bit more because I thought it was cool. Um, I think it was a lot more competitive in the last 10 years. I think it's really, every year you see it go more and more downhill. Um, it's the officiating. It's the way that players play. It's the the divas that are in the league. Um, looking <clears throat> at you, LeBron. Looking LeBron. at you, people like that. I mean, it's ridiculous. Um, it's a trash product. I think their numbers are down like way more than than they have been ever. Um, probably their lowest ratings for regular season-wide. I think that the women's first women's Final Four game with Iowa in it had more viewers watch that than the highest NBA game all season long. That's very telling because, I mean, women's basketball is great, um, but no way it should be as popular as the NBA. Um, crazy. Um, so it's a trash product. They need to fix it or else it's going to – People are really not going to watch it. Um, too much control, too many divas like LeBron. Um, just not good. Chris Paul, guys that are, he's kind of a, a biatch. Um, guys like Giannis and Draymond, they're different. Um, they're not like that. I mean, even Steph, he's kind of a diva. Um, just annoying. We don't need that. Um, basketball should not be tainted with your antics and your stupid rhetoric the, um, the golden era of the NBA was magic bird through the 80s and into the early 90s and then it Jordan rules came into effect and as much as Jordan's yeah. the goat that's when basketball fell apart downhill bye bye alright from my podium we talked about this last week because it was top of mind after the masters and I wanted to talk about it again because we saw it again this weekend and that is pace of play in golf and the impact that that has on amateurs now fortunately Ryan and I, of course, live on a golf course. 
don't play here as often as we used to back in the day, but we did play here this past Saturday. It was 80 degrees. It was beautiful. Fortunately, as a twosome squeezed in amongst a bunch of foursomes, we passed four foursomes that saw that we were playing quick and let us go, which is great. Played in about three hours and 45 minutes. Totally right up my wheelhouse. Really didn't wait until the last couple holes when we caught another foursome, um, and that's how it should be. And I go to PGA players as the blame. So what was one of the first sports played during the fake pandemic, all the lockdowns, whatever, uh, golf, right? And so a lot of people watched golf. There were the matches and all that kind of stuff, and it got people intrigued. Great. Overflowing the public courses with people who don't know how to play and don't know etiquette, not great. Uh, one thing is, is slow play. Um, people, you don't need to be slow to have fun. In fact, playing slow makes you worse because it makes you think more. You are not a professional, and I don't buy the argument that these guys are making millions of dollars so they should be able to take as much time as they want. No, they shouldn't. They're setting a bad example, and golf can go faster. And I've got some things, some notes that I took out of a recent article I read from Golf Digest on how to improve pace of play among amateurs. Number one, first and foremost, it's the rule in our foursome. It's the rule everywhere I play, unless you're playing in a tournament, which you're not, unless you're at a club, which most people are not, play ready golf. First to the ball plays. Be ready ahead of the time, like Fitzpatrick. We'll get into that uh, in a couple minutes in the golf segment. Get your yardage and your wind and your readings and stuff. Get that in your mind already and be ready when you step up the ball to play. Speaking of which, don't have a ridiculous pre-shot routine. I watched a guy that we were behind for a while on Saturday, literally checking his swing plane with like four successive cocks of the swing back further and further before he kind of did a follow-through and then a practice swing and then a half swing. And like, hit the ball, Alice. Let's go. Let's go. Um, Keep it simple. Like, literally, I don't ever take a practice swing unless I'm around the green and I got a tricky lie or I've got to kind of make a tricky shot around a tree or something like that. I I just don't. You're overthinking it. You're not a pro. Just practice enough or, or think about your shot enough to be good with it and to execute it and move on. Um, or if you're going to have this big pre-shot routine, do that while waiting. And then when you address the ball, be ready to go. The USGA allows 40 seconds for players to play when they reach their golf ball to begin their shot. It should be done in 10 to 15 seconds, in my opinion. If you're ready to go, and by the way, precise yardage does not matter, put away the bush, Bushnell yardage readers, get a front, middle, back reading, aim for the center of the green every time, quit pin seeking, and most amateurs are short anyway, so take an extra club, play a little bit longer, whatever it takes, you're playing too slow. Um, think about that 40 seconds that the USGA allows. That's that's so much time when you think about it. That's longer than a shot clock in basketball. The, the college basketball shot clock is 30 seconds. And you're telling me you can't get a golf swing off in 40, and in my opinion, a quarter of that? Once you get to the ball, take a look. Make a strategy. Take a few practice swings. If you get rid of that stuff, you can actually play the game quickly, and everybody enjoys it more. Agree up front with your buddies on a pickup point. Unless you're playing for a lot of money, and you probably shouldn't be if you're an average amateur, for most, most golfers, equitable stroke play, which is what you have if you have a handicap, and I encourage you to get a handicap. It doesn't cost very much. Ryan, what does it cost us? Like 50 bucks a year for a Golf <laughs> Association of Michigan. Yeah. Keeps your scores, keeps you honest if you do want to bet. Um, pretty much equitable stroke control says no more than a double bogey. Like Dave, Chris, and I did when we were in Orlando. 
we'd call it circle six, circle seven, whatever. Double bogey with a circle around it. Then you can figure out what you're doing with your betting stuff later. You don't need to take a 10 or a 12 and, and dump your chest like, yeah, man, I shot 116. If I wouldn't have had those three 12s, like, why? Why even do that to yourself? Why play? Why are you? How are you enjoying the game if you do that? And another, and probably one of my biggest pet peeves is don't take forever looking for a lost ball. Play gallery rules. If it's the leaves in the in the fall, if it's thick rough, and you know reasonably where it went in, and that you reasonably had a line of sight that it's in play, look for a minute or two, then drop it. And if you're that hell bent on finding that Pro V1, stop spending four fifty dollars four dollars and fifty cents on a ball. And go buy some Kirklands that'll play just as good for you, 15 handicapper, as a Pro V1 because you can't spin the damn ball anyway. So stop watching can't lay, can't play, slow play, whatever you want to call them, and just play fast golf and make it more enjoyable for the rest of us. Sounds good to me. All right, <clears throat> tee up time. Um, kind of had trouble coming up with one, then I thought of it right before here. Uh, we're going to tee up. Four borderline five-star basketball recruit Mikey Williams. So this kid, I think he's from North Carolina, went out west to play um, in San Diego, um, committed to Memphis, signed with Memphis, top 25 recruit um, consensus, um, popular guy for the last few years in the recruiting space. It's Friday, turns out um, he gets arrested. Um, and what was he arrested for? Well, it's $50,000 bail, first and foremost, booked on five counts of assault with a deadly weapon using a firearm. This dude's like 16 or 17 years old. What you a, went to go play in San Diego, like with Bronny? I don't know where he went to school, what school he went to, but um, just, what an idiot. What are you doing, man? He's like millions of followers on Instagram um, from his basketball You're to talents. be a role model, dude. Great. Nope, his his career's over. Um, Probably one of those stupid kids in Chicago that were smashing windows and jumping on cars because they thought it was fun. Where are the parents these days? Yeah, just not, ridiculous. Not a good look. Um, bad, bad, mm. bad, bad. Um, all right, par three. Back for, to that. Yeah, first shot. We're gonna go mailbag. I I had three questions. I just threw a question in here, and then Ryan, if you got any, and so we'll start. Let you answer, then I'll give you my thoughts. Most of these courtesy of Chris. Thank you, Chris. You always give us good questions, good pod fodder. If you had a crystal ball and you could know that Peyton Thorne would give you an 8-4 and four season this year and Kate Hauser would give you a 6-6 six and six season, but knowing Thorne's, I mean, I guess technically he has another year if he wants after this, but let's just say this was his last year and you could take him going 8-4 and four, or you could have a guy that's got three years ahead of him going and he goes 6-6. Six and six. Which move would you make? Eight and four. I say that because I think the more wins goes a longer way um, for confidence and and um, just mojo moving forward. I think eight and four, you get to a decent bowl game, somehow win Good that. Recruiting you nine mojo. and four, you're heading in the right direction. You flip the script almost from last season, and you're mm. you're on a trajectory where you're back to where you thought you would be um, after the eleven and two 2021 season. Um, I think last year, it goes without saying, terribly disappointing for Michigan State. Um, offensively, defensively, just all the way around coaching, it just wasn't a good product. I think that they've done a lot of looking in the mirror from what I've read, um, and that seems what the players 
think that too that they've they've done a lot of soul searching, figuring out who they are, what they need to do to get better, made some coaching changes, um, some by force with guys leaving, but I think some of them, aka the off or defensive line coach, was kind of pushed out. Um, so I think it'll be better. And I was reading earlier, um, Thorne apparently was pretty damn hurt last year. I I don't get why he played if he was hurt and the why they kept him in. But apparently, I mean, the first game against Western and he got hurt, I think he tore something in his, in his midsection um, that kept him, and then he was getting hurt. He said he got hurt in four or five other games, upper and lower body. So it was not himself, but I don't understand why. Why don't you play Kim? Because when, when Kim got his time last year, he looked good. Same thing that they did to Brian Lewerke. His, his junior year, I mean, he was hurt, and then Lombardi had flashes where he was pretty good. Um, this is why guys transfer. Uh, yeah. My answer to that, and I, Ryan, I agree with you. I, I take the eight and four because of the impact on recruiting, the the urgency of recency. I think is really really important. And here's Especially the thing: now. you know, Hauser is a redshirt freshman, so by all accounts, after this year, he still has three years to go. And if he's the guy, I mean, from all Love you know, it, guys. by what we've heard is, and Kim has been, you know, pretty solid, and he's got at least a couple years left too. So here's the thing. If you really think Hauser's where your future is, then you work him in, not the two quarterback system, because, you know, as I always say, if you got two quarterbacks, you don't have one. Not that. But you script a couple of series, especially against Central Michigan or Richmond, maybe not Washington, but get him some meaningful snaps in a series or two and let him get some gameplay and get some feel under his feet. And by the way, then, if you're blowing somebody out, Put him in or put in your backup. You can find spots to play them. Like I just said with realizing that Thorne was hurt last year, why not play Kim more? Why not build up your roster for you the future? The guys are killed. guys are less likely to transfer that way too. So I I say you take eight and four all day. I mean, clearly Thorne, yes, he had K-9. Yes, K-9 was amazing. But he still threw some great balls to Jaden Reed. I think he's somewhere he had Jalen Naylor. You know, he's, he's not maybe – quite what he was as, as his first year because of K-9, but he's not as bad as he was last year. And if he's an 8-4 and four quarterback, I'm sorry, guys, we're not to the point yet where we're Georgia or LSU or Alabama or Ohio State. You take 8-4, and four, maybe you get maybe that quickly can swing to 10-2 to and two the next year, and then you move on from there and you find your spots to get the young guys playing time. And I, especially with the four game redshirt thing. Now, obviously, how's a redshirt last year? So it doesn't matter. But like, get use the four games, use them. And I'm not talking about on special teams. I'm like, put them in meaningful situations so that if guys do transfer, if guys get hurt, your your cupboard isn't bare. You're not playing with guys that are not ready to play in their shell yeah, shock. So I think absolutely. <laughs> I don't. I mean, I don't think that there's any situation now. If you could tell me going in, I knew that Thorne would go six and six, or Hauser would go six and six. Well, then I say, okay, fine, grow with with, with Hauser. But if you're going to tell me eight, nine wins and a good bowl game and the momentum for recruiting, you got to go Thorne every time. And if it's that close with Thorne and and um, Kim. and Kim, let them battle it out until the very end. I, you know, maybe they split time in a game or something like that. I, I don't know, uh, but there's got to be a better way to do it. Yeah. All right. Next question, Chris heads. He asked us to break down next season's Michigan State basketball roster with 200 minutes per game for playing time. Who gets how many minutes and how does it work? 
200 minutes. So, you know, that's how many minutes you have right. to, to play amongst the five guys. Right. Um, so how does that 200 minutes break down? Oh. It's hard to do it without, you know, being able to do some maths on the fly. But you got to figure, you think AJ, I mean, a point guard, Tyson, eight. and Aikens all play 30 minutes. That's 90 minutes right there. Okay, so yep. we can agree on that. Then you got 110 minutes to split between Hall, Sissoko. Who else do we have? Uh, Cooper. Cooper. Kohler. Booker. Fear. Did you say Fears? No, Fears. Holloman. Norman Carr. Let's say Norman's going to redshirt, and I think one of these other guys redshirts too. I, I wouldn't surprise me to see Cooper redshirt, to be honest with you. So well, let's just th- let's theoretically say that. Cooper redshirts. So that leaves one, two, three, four, five, six, seven guys to split 110 minutes. I would minutes. say I would say AJ. I'd say 30. Um, I mean, I think AJ Tyson and Aikens you book for 30 apiece. I think Hall you got to give 20. Yeah, I would say Hall. So that's 20, 110. So you got Booker 90 minutes. 18 to 20 minutes. Yep. So Booker, that gives you 130. So that leaves you with 170 to split between Sissoko, Cooper, Sissoko, Kohler. 16 minutes. Kohler. So that's 146. Kohler, 12 minutes, something like that. That's 158. You got 42 minutes to split between Fears. Yeah, that's the issue. Carr and and who did you say that? Oh, and Holloman. Um, I think Fears is going to play. Max. I think either Cooper or Holloman redshirts. To be honest with you, I would. I'd say Holloman over Cooper. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think Holloman will redshirt, so we'll take him out of that. So forty-two minutes between Carr and Fears. That seems like more than enough. Yeah, that's twenty-one I mean, yeah, minutes playing, each. Yeah, Carr will probably would think fifteen to twenty minutes a game. So I think you can. I mean, you could probably get Hall ideally if he's healthy. He's playing more like twenty-five. Sissoko's playing fifteen to twenty. Cooper's probably playing ten. Kohler's probably playing fifteen. Fears is probably playing fifteen. You know, Carr is up there. He's probably playing a good chunk, and then maybe Holloman can get playing time. But I, I think there's enough minutes to go around because that's it, the thing that's great about this is Michigan. Last year, Izzo said, "Oh, AJ's playing too many minutes. AJ's right. playing too many minutes. He's not gonna get worn down with with Walker can play." Showed this year more so than last year. I think right. that he can play more backup point guard and handle the ball a little better. He's more comfortable. Fears is a point guard, and Holloman's a point guard. Mm-hmm. Vivian doesn't end up redshirting, so that's a lot. That's a lot of ball handlers you can use. You can play off ball a little bit if you wanted to. In foul trouble, it can swing. You guys, guys hurt, it can swing a little bit. But I agree. I think the key is going to be how does Izzo balance that so that it's not. It's a good problem. You know, it's a good problem to have. It's better than the reverse. Certainly, no offense to what's his nuts that you played against in AAU that went to Western and came into Whitens. Whitens. I mean, no offense to guys like that, but you shouldn't have to play a walk on like that. Um, you know, you shouldn't have to play Barry Sanders' son or Steve Smith's son or Tom Izzo's son. You should be able to play the guys that you went out and recruited. So I think that it gives Michigan State a lot of flexibility. I think if somebody's hot for a game, you can ride it. You know, if if Walker's on fire and he's going to play 34, 35 minutes, then he plays a little bit more, somebody plays a little bit less. But I think it gives you huge flexibility, and the depth will be key. Now, you know, Izzo likes to go seven, eight guys really when it comes to crunch time, and you got to figure that out, or you just figure out how do you play and get that cohesion and get some good playing groups. I mean, I think early in the season you'll see him play a lot of combos, 
And hopefully one of his 3,000 assistant coaches or student assistants or whatever is charting that to see what their best plus minus is. I'm sure they they do do that. that, It doesn't always seem like there's rhyme or reason. You can do that on... You can look that up on, on but I would like to see I would like to see that and become more of a rotational. I mean, I'll tell you this is maybe an outlandish example for this conversation, but Hope Women's Basketball does it really well. They've got usually two playing groups of five, and no matter how it's going, they're typically rotating a new fresh five about six minutes into the quarter, and the second group's getting about four minutes of the quarter. Um, give or take a little bit, obviously foul trouble, people get hurt or whatever, but generally speaking, those groups play together and they gel together and they know how to play. They know where they are and you don't get kind of those whack crazy lineups that Izzo talks about at times where he's like, I got guys out there playing that shouldn't even be playing. Like this is a good problem to have with the depth that they have, I would say. Yeah, I would agree. All right, moving on to the next question. Um, Ryan, you sent me this article last week about Steve Sarkeesian's and Texas's approach to the portal, which is a zero tolerance. If you say, I want to test the portal, you're effing gone as far as Sark is concerned. Um, will that approach help slow the roll if more coaches would do that? That's courtesy of a, an article by Athlon. I mean, no, because these kids will just be like, screw you, I'm going somewhere else then. But how many kids are not ending up anywhere? A lot, but a lot of them. So that's what it's going to take, though, is more and more of these kids washing out and going nowhere, or going to play Division Two, or going to play JUCO, or whatever. That's when it's going to kind of hit. And I think when a big program says "fine, leave," I say more power to them. Now, there's an example, a contrary to that, for Michigan State. Obviously, Hayward, when um, he wanted out, when he wasn't going to, it was clear he wasn't going to play running back, and then he tested the waters, and he ended up coming back he had a good conversation with Tuck and came back and, and it really helped his draft stock they they did some good things with him I think there's certainly some exceptions to that well that makes sense as a coaching change so right but my personal choice would be if you want to go you don't want to be here and I want you out especially I've heard about that with quarterbacks get out GTFO if you don't want to be here and lead my team I don't want you next man up and I think I don't think we'll see that as much at Michigan State I mean you'll see some transfers but Tucker's very clear with guys. I want guys who are willing to come in here and compete with one another to get playing time. And it might take you two or three years, just like Izzo's going to have to do with some of these, you know, he's going to have a glut of guards this year. It might take you a year where you're going to play less or you might need to consider redshirting. I think until enough coaches do that and they stop treating it like the free agency, it's going to continue. But I do think that that's a great, bold approach by a big program that can send a message to the big recruits is you come here to compete to play, or get out. We don't want right. you. And I think that's the only way to do, or to help slow the roll a little bit, is to do that, in my opinion. Yeah, I think so, too. I'm just trying to look back at if there's any other Michigan State guys that have entered and, and come back. And not end up leaving. Um, man, I'm not really, not really finding anybody. Not too many. So the other question I came up with was during your uh, intro, your record contract for Hertz. Yeah, how well, much yeah. is too much? I mean, this dude's getting two hundred fifty-five million dollars, five years, hundred seven. Okay, he brought the guaranteed. Eagles to the Super Bowl, but they also have a lot of good weapons. They had a really good defense. Yeah, can they do it again after losing some of those people? Who knows? Um, I, mean, I don't. For a one-year, I mean, he was okay. His the first year, two years ago, when he's, he a he's a good quarterback. But, but he's he, no Mahomes. He's mm-hmm. no Burrow. Mm-hmm. Arguably, I wouldn't say he's any Herbert. He's not Herbert. Mm-hmm. 
So I I I struggle with the kind of money that is thrown after. I mean, geez, like put that into workforce terms. Like that would be like, wow, Andy, you know, you got like a four point two out of five rating, which on a one to five scale, maybe you go to like what four point two out of five isn't that like in the corporate world, four point two anything over a three is usually really good for most companies. Let's just say you had a I had a four point two, and then all of a sudden I'm going to get like a quadruple raise that ain't how it works in the business world uh and arguably i'm doing things that are more important in the business world than a quarterback is on the field um i have a problem with and that's part of it is i get there's inflation and everything but i mean i remember when i was a kid reading through baseball cards and stuff and like the average first you know first year average rookie salary i think in major league baseball was sixty two thousand five hundred dollars I don't know what it is now, but it's north of a million, I'm sure. And it's like, okay, there's inflation and stuff, but at what point do you just say, no, we're not going to pay that much? Because I'm going to tell you what's going to keep happening is fans are finding other ways to enjoy games and not going and paying all the money and $12 for a beer and $50 for parking and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Pretty soon, you're not going to have any money to pay these guys anymore. And pretty soon fans are going to get tired of consuming sporting events on TV that are filled with more ads than they are sports. <clears throat> NCAA, I'm talking about you. Like, figure it out like soccer has, like golf has, like other playthrough, auto racing playthrough type sports have. Figure it out and start off by paying these guys less. Don't knee-jerk reaction. Yeah. Like, the sky is not falling. You can find another great quarterback. Hertz is one of... 12 to 15 quarterbacks in the NFL that could arguably take his team to the Super Bowl next year. Yeah. Not the, not the one. I'd put even win in there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he didn't even win it, and he got that kind of raise. That's, that's insane. You want to know what the average MLB salary is right now? $4.22 million. To freaking play. I, and I'm not going to argue. Hitting a baseball is difficult. Baseball is I, I can tell you that because I was 1 for 16 in my Little League <laughs> career. Hitting a baseball is a, I get it. It's a difficult thing, but that's ridiculous. Like, soccer's uh, like that too. A crappy player can make that kind of money. Soccer's like that too. That's ridiculous. All right. Did you have any other mailbag questions or anything that came into you? No. All right. Moving on to uh, the bracket then. Um, Then we'll do the ad after that. So, second shot. We're going to do a bracket this week again. We did our bracket last week on best sporting events, right? Yep. All right, this week we're going a little music. Now, I realize we're not going to hit everybody's tastes with all these, but this is a little smattering. There's different genres in the brackets. Some of it's mostly stuff that Ryan and I agree that we would listen to, so it's easier for us to contend with and, and rank. First, we're going to go to the country bracket. we got number one seed Luke Combs taking on number four seed Hardy. Um, who is this who I like better? Yeah, this is your this uh, Hardy. Is your, these are your champions. So Ryan's going with the upset, Hardy over Luke Combs. I'm going to go Luke. I like the number Luke, one though. seed, number two seed Morgan Wallen against number three seed Thomas Rhett. Morgan Wallen, Morgan yep. Wallen beats Hardy. That. You got Morgan over. Yeah, and okay. I've got the same. I've got Morgan over Luke. All right, then we've got the rap genre. A little older school in here. Number one seed Run DMC against number four seed Beastie Boys. Run DMC. I'm going to go with the Beastie Boys. I'm going with the upset here. Uh, number two seed, NWA, against number three seed, Eminem. Uh, oh, that's tough. Eminem. Represent Detroit. 
We'll go with we'll go with Marshall Mathers, and I'm gonna go Beastie Boys for me. You want you I'll got go Eminem. Eminem, so you got a little three. You got a three seed advancing, and we're gonna go into the '80s genre. No particular. Most of these are solo artists. Uh, number one seed Billy Joel against number four seed Prince. Billy Joel. I agree with that. Like Hands down, Piano Man. Number two seed Michael Jackson against number three seed Elton John. MJ. King of Pop. Yeah, you got to go MJ, but it's got to be Thriller because anything past that, he got a little way too. Yeah, out he had some decent ones. But... All right, Billy Joel against MJ. Uh, Billy. Billy, Billy, Billy. It got to be Billy Joel all the way. All right, and then we're going to go with the rock bands genre. Number one seed Van Halen against number four seed Motley Crue. Uh, Van Halen. I like both, though. Motley Crue is pretty rocking. Great documentary on them, by the way. Um, number two seed Def Leppard against number three seed Queen. Queen. Yeah, I gotta go with Queen. Ryan and I Recency we bias. watch a lot of we watched Bohemian Rhapsody again last night. Great movie if you haven't seen it. Uh we'll give you so much more respect for Queen and the talent of those guys for sure. Alright, so we got uh, Luke. No, you got we both have Morgan. Yep. Facing you've got him facing off against Eminem. Morgan. And I got Morgan facing off against uh Beastie, Beastie Boys. You got Morgan. And then uh we got both have Billy Joel, is that where, yeah, I don't, yep. yeah, Billy Joel facing off against, uh, oh, we didn't finish the other one, Van Halen versus Queen. Oh, uh, I'll go Queen. And I'm going to go with Van Halen, oops. Okay, Billy Joel versus Queen. Uh, Billy Joel. And I got Billy Joel versus Van Halen, I'm going to go Van Halen, and then I'm going to go Van Halen to beat Morgan Wallen in the finals. Got Morgan. And you got Morgan Wallen, who we will be seeing next week, Thursday. Days. First night of the draft, is that right? Yeah, I'm going to have to keep that on the yeah. phone and see who the Lions come up with. Eh, whatever. I care. All right. A quick word from our presenting sponsor, Team Anders Realty. will help you find the home that best fits your needs, and they make the process simple and fun along the way. The Anders have served thousands of clients over 30-plus years in the Grand Rapids, Michigan area, and are here to serve you today. Learn more at teamanders.com. All right. All right. We may have a record short pod tonight because we're getting into silly season here. Golf. Give. Let's talk a little heritage. Great tournament. Didn't see a UW. Didn't see Uncle Wayne. We looked, but no, didn't see it. That was fantastic. Um, I mean, viewership-wise, that's all the PGA Tour could ask for with the leaderboard that they had. Great um, leaderboard. Elevated. Three-hole playoff. Great course. Fitz gets it done. I'm happy for him. I'm a fan of his. Grew up playing there. Grew up playing there. Said this if he this is the tournament he wanted to win aside from a major, he got it done. Um, he's a good guy. Jordan was right there again, going for the repeat. Couple close putts there. Just couldn't. Get How that ball, first playoff putt doesn't drop? But I don't he, know. The good crazy. news is he's back, and I think golf is better when he's playing well, and he's been really good the last few months um so i'm happy with that because i think i think he's got a good chance to win at oak at oak hill um next month um he's probably got pretty good odds well yeah, i read a great story today uh, talking about spieth and that course ryan and i i mean we're obviously not pros we didn't play from the tips but that course is hard like you see the overhead views and you see how tight that course is that's a shot maker's course that's not a you don't see a, a formerly good DeChambeau or somebody like that, a bomb and gouger winning that. You got shot makers win that tournament. 
and shot makers ultimately win majors. And that's where I think Spieth rounding back into that form. Um, You know, he missed some opportunities. But, hey, Fitzpatrick missed a a fairly decent shot at birdie on 17. That would have given him a one-stroke lead going into 18. And then he wins it on just a phenomenal shot, hits it to a foot. You know, how do you complain about losing that? It's not like he hit a miracle putt to win it. the shot that he had on on the third playoff hole there on 18, that was a golf shot. That was remarkable. If I've ever seen one, almost hold it. I'm looking at the PGA early um, bets, uh, Rom plus 750. Yeah, I mean, Rom, he played great again. He was, you know, came and not very often do the Masters champions go play the RBC. Didn't get decent value on him. He's plus 2,100 right now, Mm -hmm. so not terrible. But, I mean, the leaderboard there, you had Shoffle made a late charge. Um, You know, Rom top 15. You know, Thagala made a good charge. Ryan and Love I both Thigala. had him, I think. Uh, you know, you had really good names. They had, I think, that a little bit stormy weather the first night, but they had good weather. That course is just, it's great. Like, they don't completely tear it up. They can go low. You know, they had decently low scores, but it's not like a, you know, ridiculous birdie fest. You know, it's a hard course, and it's a tight course, and if you're a little wayward, you're going to be in some trouble. I mean, like, Domin, what was he, like, tied for second after the first round, and he didn't even make he didn't the cut? He didn't the cut. Yeah, it's, if, you, if you don't land up in the right place, you're screwed because it's hard. It's tight, a lot of waste areas. Man, I kind of alluded to this in, in my podium, but, like, can't lay. So if you didn't oh. see it, the 14th hole, which is a difficult par three, Ryan and I very vividly difficult. remember that. It's it's not very long. It's, it's like one, they play like it. 178. Water on the right, back right pin placement. The left kind of slopes to the right. Guys bail out to the left, and then it's a tricky little shot. Well, he chips and gets lucky. Like the little the post on the on the railroad ties keeps him out of the water. It settles in between the crack of the railroad ties and yeah, the post. Yeah, it's pretty impressive. But it's, and um, it literally took him. It had it to have taken him about minutes. at least five, more like ten, to him and Hall whether he was going to take it. And Spieth and Fitzpatrick were visibly Billy, annoyed. Billy Foster, Fitzpatrick's um, caddy, you can, there's a video of him rolling his eyes at him. Yeah, and, and Fitzpatrick and, and Ryan and I were watching. Fitzpatrick and Spieth were very chatty throughout the round, and then after that they were particularly chatty, I think, laughing. Like, look, great, I understand it's a tough shot, you have to decide, but damn it, decide quicker. Like, make your decision, stick with it, and go. He ended up taking the shot, which was pretty risky because you could have easily, like, clipped it and just hit it backwards in the water. Got out with a bogey, whatever. Um, I get it. Like, you're still in contention at that point, but that's what I'm talking about with slow play. Like, make a decision. And then after he makes the decision, he takes forever to continue to make the decision and then to pull the shot off and then to do the putt. Like, he adjusts his feet in in his... you know, like wiggle waggle a million times. And it's like, meanwhile, Fitzpatrick, you watch him when, when guys are in trouble or they're looking at things, he's, he's thinking about his shot. Like I talked about in my open, he's strategizing his shot. He's verified his lie. He's verified the wind. He's ready to go with his caddy. Do me a favor. The next time you get a chance to watch him, he plays within less than 10 seconds of when his competitors do. Mm-hmm. Unless he's clearly still looking for a ball or he's waiting for a ruling or something, he's ready to go and he plays. That's how golf should be played. They obviously have to play in turn in a tournament like that, and he's still playing quick. Like Those two were they were visibly annoyed with Cantlay. And so Cantlay, spare me the, oh, it wasn't me, everybody was slow at the Masters. No, it wasn't, dude. It was you. And I know you don't care because you're playing for a lot of money and whatever, but... You're like 
they're not even they're breaking off of you in broadcast and they don't even want to show you it's 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 ridiculous yeah, it's, it's it's bad um and he and he's he knows it um pga touring to come up with something to well i mean if they really if the usga has a shot clock so to speak then enforce it yeah, like it enforce it. Like it and don't penalize guys like oh you're beginning place but penalize them a shot you start hitting them with shots, pretty soon they're going to make their decisions quicker. And I'm sorry, I, I get it. These guys are you know pro athletes and they have sports psychologists and whatever. But golf is a game, and I can attest, the more you think about it, the worse you play. Period. Yeah. And that includes pros. Um, you know, I think that's part of the beauty of Spieth is you hear him kind of verbalize his, um, his thought process, which is kind of cool, but he still does it quickly. He talks to himself a lot. That's how he handles it, but he, he's not holding people up. A um, couple other things I wanted to point out from that. I thought it was great, and I think more guys should do it. It's not that he, you shouldn't expect him to do it because he gets paid a lot of money and whatever, but John Rahm sticking yeah, around Rambo and doing kind of awesome. 20 minutes of on-air commentary, I thought he was really, really good. I thought he was insightful without making it too technical. You can tell he just loves golf, which is why he played after he won the Masters. He didn't do the typical circuit where he went and on the late night shows and all that kind right. of stuff with his green jacket. He went, got there on Tuesday, played a practice round and he went and he played, um, which I thought was awesome. And I thought that like, to me, grabbing somebody like that, that people want to listen to and you change it up all the time. That I think is a more appropriate than the in round walk and talk. Now I will say, I think the walk and talk is a cool concept. I loved when they talked to like Ricky. I love that they they actually talked to Jimmy Walker when he was playing like crap um, on Saturday, and he was a great sport about it, um, even though he was not playing well and he had hardly been in contention in a while because he has Lyme's disease. Um, I just I don't know the walk and talk just seems to be too distracting to me. It doesn't slow the game down, but I would rather have them drop somebody like Rom next to. A, um, you know, Brent, is it Brenner now? Amanda Brenner? Renner. We used to call her, oh, Renner, that's right, Bublionis. Uh, put somebody next to her and let them kind of commentate golf for 10, 15 minutes. Like, I think that would be more insightful and produce more meaningful stuff and rotate a couple guys in there as I look outside at a blizzard and not going to be golfing here anytime soon. Um, like, I get the walk and talk. I, I think it's a cool concept. I think it's kind of distracting to the players, and it's not really fair to the players. So grab them after their round and just say, hey, Jimmy, come give me 20 minutes. Like, let's talk through these last few holes. Like, what did you see? What you know? What kind of stuff did you see? Obviously, he was in the final group on Saturday. But, like, do some stuff like that and mix in more guys. I think you're going to get kind of less of a, an annoyed pitch from them anyway. And I think that that would do just as much for the game as a walk and talk, to be honest with you. Because, you know, a lot of these guys in their post games, they talk about, you know, they're showing them the highlights of their shots. Oh, yeah, I hit a six iron here. Yeah, this, this, and this was kind of the wind. And this is what I was going through. Like, I'm okay hearing guys like Rom telling you exactly what you were seeing when Cantlay was chipping on 13 was great. You know, as a golf fan, you're like, yeah, I, I know what he's talking about because he kept it simple. Like, I thought, I thought that was really good. And yeah. I just love the heritage. I mean, I think anytime it's a fun you can tournament, anytime it's a course you can play. Now, granted, it's like five hundred bucks, so it's not exactly cheap. But especially for me and for I to be able to sit there and go minus the grandstands, I know all those shots. I know where they were. Oh, hey, I was in the waste bunker there. I was in the coquinas there. I was near the alligator there. I was like, to me, that's fun, and it's it makes golf attainable. Um, you know, not that the masters don't, but I think it's just. 
it's just fun to see it, and I love that course. And then we're not playing there in a, in a month. We're going to play um, sister course, the sister course instead there in Sea Pines. But uh, great tournament, great fun. Um, I think, by the way, too, um, Nance's new guy. What was his name? Emelman. Emelman. Really I think he's good. really good. Um, very insightful. He's not critical, which, you know, like Zinger can be a little bit critical. Johnny Miller was always critical. Faldo Faldo is pretty critical. I think Immelman does it with a little bit more softness to his bite. And I think that he just, he's a likable guy. And I think he pairs really, I think he pairs really well with Nance too, which makes it enjoyable to watch. They do a good job. And then throw in the other on course people and they're Mm -hmm. doing a good job at CBS. Um, so what do we? One. What? How did we do in the contest last week? Uh, my guys seventy second combined. Yours twenty four combined because Henley did well in Tagala. Obviously did. Mike Lowry was played well in the first day and then he was bad. Um, I guess that brings us to the Zurich, the team only team event on the calendar, um, oh, which is kind of cool because it's different, yeah, right? It's like fun. after they're a gonna stretch. start doing that, I think, but they don't count. They're gonna do more of those in December. I think it's gonna be a team event kind of month um so it's a, something different to watch they change up the format we talked about this last year on the podcast i think just gives you something a little bit different to watch you don't get as many of the big names in this because they're you know the rbc was a, a big event obviously the week after the masters and then you got the pga coming up so guys are kind of taking this week off so it gives you something to watch just because it's a different type of event which makes it fun and, and just to follow up on the schedule thing i was saying um they came out with a new thing five days ago um they re-engineered the fall schedule so um reimagined um so guys can keep their cards and whatnot so it's beginning this year only the top 70 players off the fedex cup this is per golf digest by the way off the FedEx cup points list at the end of the regular season august qualify for the fedex cup playoffs and guarantee their full playing status the next season Top 50 players on the points list after the first playoff event advance to the second event and are exempt into 2024's designated events. A series of eight still-to-be-determined tournaments with limited fields, no cuts, and $20 million prize money payouts. Those who finish outside the top 70 of the FedEx Cup points list will retain their points from the regular season as they compete in the autumn and try to stay inside the top 125 at the end of the newly named FedEx Cup fall or play their way into the top 125 if they weren't inside at the re- end of the regular season. The seven events will offer allotment of FedEx Cup points with more than $56 million in prize money available as players try to lock in their status for 2024. I like it. I, I think that's a great idea. Yeah, really good. I think it's fantastic. I think they're continuing to think about it makes ways it a little to... more competitive. Mm-hmm. Um I, I really like get the it. big guy, big names to big events, but give the little guys, quote unquote, a chance to yeah. win. And we still have a lot of elevated events. I mean, include excluding the majors are obviously in there. Wells Fargo that's coming up, the Memorial, the Travelers, the FedEx, and then the FedEx Cup. Um, so a few more um, here in the next couple months, which is cool. Yeah, it will be good. All right, so what do, who are we picking this week? I've got the Kim boys, Tom Kim and Siwoo Kim, and then Horschel and Burns. Oh, I got the finished second last year. I've got Horschel and Burns, and I'm going to go with the current betting second favorite, uh, Morikawa and Homa. You you won't pick Cantley, huh? Nope, not going to pick either. They won it last year, but no way. I like Shoffley, but maybe Shoffley will throw him into the alligators to get him to play faster. There's a lot on that course. Uh, Last year, I think I picked. 
I did pick Cantlay and Shawflay, and they won. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a fun tournament. That course is interesting. It's very open, actually. Yeah. Lots Swampy. of water, gators everywhere, TPC. Down in the bayou. Yeah, New Orleans. Um, and then, shoot, we got the Mexico Open, um, Wells Fargo, AT&T, Byron Nelson. Then we go to up to Buffalo, New York for the uh, PGA um, in about a little over a month here. Be about when we're on vacation. Yep, exactly. Well, basically a month from now, I would say, because yeah, we leave the twentieth for that vacation. So and that start on the eighteenth. So yeah, a month yeah, from tomorrow. Month from tomorrow. Cool. Should we sprint? Let's sprint. All right. Um, you think that they should add more? Kind of piggybacking off what we just talked about. Should you? Should they add more elevated events to the PGA Tour schedule to get these kinds of leaderboards like they had last week? By the way, what did you say the count is? Like eight? I with think so. Including majors or in addition to majors? Uh, I think in addition. I think that's fine. Twelve, you know, they're roughly playing 36 to 40-ish events. That's a third. Yeah, I'd say that's fair. A quarter. I think that's fair. you got to give, I think, the draw of the live, aside from all the sport-washed money, is those guys looked at it as a little bit more downtime to enjoy weddings and family vacations and that kind of stuff. I think, you know, as long as guys get a shot, and, you know, to kind of elevate themselves, but then, you know, you're still in those big tournaments, um, and that gives you 12, you know, 12 or so really, really good TV tournaments a year. That's pretty dang good. You know, that's basically one every four weeks. You know, that's that's a good ratio, I think. Master's green jacket or the plaid RBC jacket? Uh, the tartan jacket? Uh, I mean, Masters because of what, what it means. But, I mean, hey, I don't blame Fitzpatrick. I know he grew up going there on vacation. I love that course. I love Hilton Head. Yeah, I like the jacket better than the green one. It's sweet. No, I, I want the green jacket. It means more, but... I might know it means more. I think it's cooler, though. I might get the... You might. You should get the putter cover. They have a... That's what Fitzpatrick had, the tartan putter cover. That's cool. If you're looking for a putter cover, I'm going to go down there. Um, what's one sport you wish you could have played growing up? That you didn't, or that you wish you were good at, that you are not good at. Oh, that's a really good question. Um, boy, honestly, my mom never let me play football, so it's hard not to say football. But I'm gonna—I'll go a little bit less obvious. I'm gonna go hockey. Yeah, that's what I said. I can't skate, but I think it'd be sweet to be able to hockey, play. Hockey, I just it's have fun. so much respect for those guys. Fun. I mean, it's it's a fun game to watch, especially with the playoffs going. So I'll go hockey. Best cartoon from the 60s, 70s, or 80s you grew up watching? Boy, there's a lot of good ones, but I... And you can still find it on HBO Max, actually. I'm going to go with the original Super Friends. Is that Hanna-Barbera? It's not Hanna-Barbera. It's like uh, very DC... No, it might have been. It was, you know, Saturday morning, 8 o'clock, 7.30, 8 o'clock it was on. You know, and it was Superman, Wonder Woman, Aquaman, Batman, Robin. You know, and then occasionally you had the Wonder Twins and Apache Chief. And that was like, that was, you know, and Green Lantern, I think. So it wasn't Marvel because you didn't have all those extra other, I mean, you had some of those randos. But that was always my favorite when I, I got up and never missed that on a Saturday when I was a kid. I gotta go with Scooby Doo. Hard to um, argue with that. Tom and Jerry's so another good, good Tom one. Tom and Jerry was really good. Jetsons. Mm-hmm. Jetsons Hanna Barbera, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Good stuff. Um, that's 120. Um, 
Appreciate you guys listening. Uh, let us know if you have any questions for the mailbag portion. Love to dive into those. You guys doing your draft pod next week? Yeah, we'll have to do that. Um, tell them the date for it. Um, you and Riley. I'll sit here can, and produce, and you guys have at it. All right. We can do, I forgot about that. Yeah, we're going to have to do that. Um, yeah. Appreciate you guys listening. All right. Meantime, as Bob Marley once said, one good thing about music, when it hits you, You know no pain.